All right, welcome back to the Stingray Studios at West Edmonton Mall, Sports 1440, our launch day, and very excited to have our next guest join us in studio, Edmonton Police Chief Dale McPhee. Uh, Dale, thanks for coming in. I can't imagine how busy you are, but thanks for taking the time. No, it's uh, very much appreciate, Kev. It's just good to reconnect. It yeah. uh, puts us back many years ago. It sure does. We met all well, about 30 years ago. You were in Prince Albert, assistant coach for the Raiders. I was working at... CKBI, so we go back that long. But uh, before we start talking about your days in Prince Albert with the Raiders, uh, I think you're about oh four years on the job here as chief. Uh, I can't imagine how difficult things are at times and how rewarding they are other times. So just can you kind of express to our viewers what it's our listeners, pardon me, what it's been like for you to take over this job. Yeah, I know. I certainly appreciate it. It's been, you know, close to four and a half years and, you know, the first three years uh, we had significant crime reduction and some alterations, some unexpected outcomes, obviously. And, you know, I think uh, COVID, uh, George Floyd out of Minneapolis and everything else that could be thrown at us, been thrown at us. Uh, I've got a great police service with a lot of great men and women. Uh, but certainly we've been challenged and, you know, you're seeing it in the downtown area and specifically parts of our city, you know, and the violence and, and but it's like anything else, uh, you know, losing is not an option. So we're going to change the course and get some of this space back. And the reality is, is um, it's going to need a different approach. Uh, you know, what's been ha- happening here for the last year and a half isn't acceptable to our citizens, but Edmonton, as you know, I kind of grew up in St. Albert's. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's home for me, so it's uh, uh, it needs some work for sure. Was there a part of the job that you were prepared for that maybe or weren't prepared for that maybe you saw some growth or something, or are there certain aspects where you went, oh, this is I knew what I was getting into here? You know, I, I, I think I knew what I was getting into. It's actually where I wanted to be because, I mean, it's always had a high crime rate, and I think I've had some success in various jobs that I've had over the course of my career, and I knew there was a lot of great men and women here. I think what the unexpected was is all the turn of events. You know, you go through a pandemic, uh, obviously, uh, and come out of that, you go through the events in Minneapolis, even though it's thousands of miles away. Uh, you know, it was like it happened on our streets, and, you know, there's a lot of differences between Canadian policing and U.S. policing, and I've traveled substantially across the world speaking on some of that stuff for the, over the years, and I'm pretty lucky to do that, but those events that some jumped on and uh, obviously try to push some of their own agendas certainly didn't help us at all but uh, it's like anything else it's uh, hotter the fire the stronger the steel you learn to adjust and yeah you got to make some adjustments and that's what we're currently in the process of doing right now so your sports background and particularly hockey how did that help you prepare and build and grow yourself to attain the leadership that you have today? Well, I mean, it, it's a team sport, right? <clears throat> and I mean, everything, and not that policing's a sport, but it's it's a team for sure. And, uh, you know, obviously you have to be able to communicate uh, with the men and women. You got to be able to give them the ability to make mistakes. And if they make mistakes, uh, as long as we own the mistakes and we're doing it for the right reasons, we continue to move forward. So it's it, there's a lot of the same principles in it. Uh, the harder they work, the more you get out of it, but the smarter you work, you can get more. So as you know, in sports, you always said, uh, you know, you take two teams that uh, are both talented. It's the hard work that actually brings it home at the end of the day. And I think that's really what we have in Edmonton Police Service. And uh, and a lot of those lessons along the way are just, you know, consistency, 
you know, own your mistakes, mm-hmm. you know, lead, uh, not just lead up, but lead down and, uh, and give people the ability to, uh, try to do what they need to get their job done. So that's been the focus since, uh, it's fortunate to obviously have some leadership roles in hockey as well, mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes the leaders had to step in and do some things that uh, <laughs> weren't, weren't on the job description yeah, not so well. For sure. EPS Chief Dale McPhee joins us uh, in the Stingray Studios here in West Edmonton Mall, Sports 1440, our launch day. Thanks, to everybody, for listening. So before we get to PA, so you mentioned growing up St. Albert Edmonton. Um, who were some of the people and some of the, the teams you played for and that helped you get to Prince Albert uh, in the early 80s? Yeah, I mean, well, I came out of Manitoba originally and then in St. Albert, obviously, uh, you know, played for the Midget AAA there. Uh, had a really good program. Uh, actually came back and played with the Saints for part of a year before the St. Albert Saints at the time, now Spruce Grove, uh, before uh, getting scouted to, to go to... Uh, to Prince Albert and before that uh, was on the Spokane Flyers list so mm-hmm. you know a lot of other Edmonton guys like uh, Dave Pazine, Dan Hodgson and then I played with a lot of guys on the Raiders uh, that were from here too like Sherd Park, uh, Dave Gertz and mm-hmm. uh, you know Neil Davey and uh, uh, the list goes on. Uh, there is a strong hockey background. Alberta still is, and uh, I was fortunate to, to, to get that opportunity with some other folks too. When you went to Prince Albert, uh, you would have been a, what, 17-year-old? Yep, uh, What was that first experience? What do you remember about that? Well, I think we won 15 games that year. Had a black eye most of the year because that's just the way it was back then. And uh, it's not how many you want, it's how many you show up for, right? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we learned, to, we learned to hate to lose. And, you know, another St. Albert guy that was with me there is Emmanuel Viveros. Yes. And, uh, uh, you know, we played midget together. And uh, I think the core of that team three years later went on to win the Memorial Cup. And, you know, part of sports was is it's not so much it's easy to win sometimes, but it's when you actually learn to hate to lose and and, you know, you're going to do go the extra mile to uh, do what you need to win. Uh, that's what we learned in those that early years. But it, it certainly wasn't fun. Uh, most of those 15 games we won were in the last quarter of the season. Mm-hmm. So as you can imagine, uh, we had a coach, Terry Simpson, back in the day, Rick Wilson. Uh, they never let us accept losing. And I think uh, I still have a trouble with that today. So, <laughs> uh, you know, it's something that uh, once it's ingrained into you, you, yeah, you learn how to, to survive and thrive. EPS Chief Dale McPhee joins us. That 82-83 season you're talking about, Raiders' record was 16-55-1, but you could feel you were building something, as you said. Terry Simpson, you mentioned him. Uh, what kind of coach was Terry, and how did he mentor you? Well, I mean, he just basically was a bit, obviously, uh, nowadays you would say probably a bit older school. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, uh, what the big thing was is make sure we don't accept losing and make sure that, uh, you know, even if we lost... Uh, uh, sometimes losing was acceptable if you put your best foot forward, but most games we lost, we could have did things uh, differently. And uh, I think we learned to not to take any uh, easy ways and, uh, and and to play the game in a fair manner that uh, you do what you need to do to help your team be successful versus making the individual successful. So your first year, six teams <coughs> played, 15 goals, 10 assists. Uh, 153 penalty minutes. Yeah, there was kind of a <laughs> bit of a. That's just how it was back yes, then. You know, you, 
you, you go from a goal scorer in midget, uh, it's a whole other different league. You're adjusting to the speed. You're adjusting to people that are four or five years older than you. And, uh, you know, it's uh, you have to adjust accordingly. And uh, and the whole goal there was just to, you know, what I learned early on is just trying to keep improving year to year. And uh, that was really the focus. But you really built up uh, a good group of friends, a good group of people that even – when you win together, you remember those things. When you lose, you don't really remember. And, you know, going on to be a leader, one of the things that I went on when you mentioned coaching was to do a lot of leadership mentoring for uh, a lot of the players. And it's funny when you actually talk to them and you ask them, well, who did you emulate or who did you uh, see as the best leader you ever played for? If they're losing, they really never had somebody. But if they win, there was always something that stuck out. And I think there were some things that you could take away mm-hmm. from that uh, going forward. And uh, so, yeah, it's uh, it uh, it was quite something that first year. Where does that come from? Um, when you, as you say, if you're losing, things aren't they're not going well. I mean, we had Chris Jones on this morning. They start the season 0-9, but then they get two wins, and then yesterday they they have trouble closing out a game so yeah. as a as a leader how do you kind of get over that well i mean you you look at the coach but really after the coach entrenches that into your players and you get a group that kind of are going to step up and do give you something give you that spark give you that momentum sometimes it's a goal sometimes it's a hit sometimes it's doing what you need to do to uh, change the momentum in a hockey game and it, it it becomes a way a habit and when you make it a habit it's like one of those successful habits of, of, of people is uh, it's just something you know what it takes and uh, and uh, you know that's why when you have such a thing as you just mentioned the Elks when they go through that tough spot uh, eventually, it's just that core group trying to put their best foot forward, hold each other accountable for taking the easy way out, making sure that they're doing things the right way. And eventually, if you keep at that, it will turn around. If you give up and you just are there to play as an individual or if you're just there for a paycheck or if you're just there to say that you've played on this team, uh, it's it, it basically ends not well. Chief of Police Dale McVie is our special guest in the Stingray Studios. Kevin Carey's show on Sports 1440. Um, we were talking about the progression of that Raider dynasty, if you want to call it, how it was built and how it started for you guys. Um, when you got to that 84-85 season, did you kind of did you feel that a lot of the players were the same guys that you had as a 17-year-old? Did you feel that 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 you could feel something building and something special? Yeah, we had a core group of about eight of us there that were still there and, you know, went down to six. But, I mean, the, the, that particular group, I mean, we, we made the playoffs in the second year. You could feel the momentum going. And then when we got uh, some of the adjustments and added some of the young guys and, and the rookies that we had and then brought some people in from other teams on the year we made the Memorial Cup run, we could play the game any way anybody wanted mm-hmm. to. And, uh, you know, you could, we could make it very difficult uh, to play. We were very difficult to play against. And it was because everybody on that team had a role. And, uh, you know, we didn't need everybody to, to be like Dan uh, for Haji there who <laughs> scored 200 and some points. Uh, yeah. 
Uh, and that's really what caused us to win the Memorial Cup. We had th- we had four lines that could go. We had a really young line that was really talented, all our high draft picks, uh, and then we had a, a real balance. Whether we could we could check, we could hit, we could. You know, I still remember Baumgartner and Wessel going at it in the penalty box in the Memorial <laughs> Cup, and that's just who we were. We didn't back away, and uh, we all knew our roles, and uh, we all knew that our roles were important, and 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 nobody was lesser than the other. Uh, and I, I think those are the things that make teams successful is when uh, people recognize that, you know, you're always going to have stars. Uh, stars are going to score goals and they'll get some maybe more press. But mm-hmm. it's that balance in the rest of the team that actually puts it. And I mean, look at Vegas this year. Yes. Not a lot of, uh, you know, big name recognition, but they just were hard to play against. Mm-hmm. And then they got goaltending and... Uh, everything and, fell into place. Everything fell into place. And it's just basically that chemistry. Um, when you look at uh, the roster of that Memorial Cup championship team, and we're going to address that <clears> in a little bit, but there, there's a lot of guys from Edmonton and St. Albert. Why, what was that all about? I mean, Terry Simpson, again, you mentioned him. You know, I don't can't remember. My dad used to know Terry Simpson quite well, and I'm not sure exactly what kind of scouting staff he had in Alberta, but it seemed well, to work out. The main scout, his head scout, was Wayne Simpson, his brother okay. out of Alberta. Yeah, there so, you go. <laughs> yes, you're exactly you go. right. Okay. So uh, that's how it works. And, yeah. uh, I mean, you, you build a team, right? And I, I think people forget just how much... Uh, it relies on your scouting staff mm-hmm. to build a championship team because you can go out and trade and sometimes you're bringing in people that make the team better. Sometimes you're taking risks on others. But when you can build something from the ground up and bring somebody into the program that's been winning, mm-hmm. then it's it's that longevity piece, right? Is because they grew up in that and they know what that culture is and, and that just becomes their, their habits. So uh, it's such a critical piece. Uh, it's no different in my job now in policing right. is... Uh, you know, in Edmonton Police Service, going from being a deputy minister in government, we have more talent uh, that we've brought in, uh, you know, to use data to look at things differently than I had running a whole transformational change file at the government. And, and that's really find where your weaknesses are, shore your weaknesses up, bring in talent, but at the same time ensure that everybody's going in the same direction. And once you get that, it, it, it makes some, some pretty special teams. Edmonton Police Chief Dale McPhee's uh, guesting with us here. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back. Dale's agreed to join us just for a few more minutes because you can't imagine how busy he is. But uh, we'll have more with the Chief, talking about a little more about that 1985 Memorial Cup winning team from Prince Albert and where things are moving forward and maybe a little bit about coaching. He had a bunch of young guns in 1993 that went on to do some pretty good things in Prince Albert too. This is the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. All right, welcome back to the show, 916 in Edmonton and area. Text line, one 401 This comes in from Leduc County Dom. Congrats on the start of something special. Edmonton sports fans deserve it. I'm tuned in. Well, thanks for the text and keep rolling. I'm surprised how many come in. It's just crazy. They just keep rolling and rolling and rolling. Uh, our special guest uh, for the 9 o'clock hour has been Edmonton Police Chief Dale McPhee, who played for the Prince Albert Raiders in the... 80s, won a Memorial Cup with the, the Raiders in, in 85. Uh, so when you went into the Memorial Cup, you guys, I remember reading something about Terry Simpson saying, the only thing that we don't have right now is that we weren't really battle-tested in the playoffs because you guys steamrolled everyone. Do you remember that when you went into the Memorial Cup? Yeah, I think we only lost one game in the playoffs. Uh, we had a, obviously a, 
a smoother ride than you normally do in the playoffs so we were fairly fresh but you know we got our eyes open in the first game of the memorial cup where we uh, dropped the first game um you know to schwinnigan and Mm -hmm. uh i still remember getting the wake-up call from the coach and saying hey guys this we work way too hard for this and again you go back to what you've built over the course of the years it was it was just one of those things where we had a little team meeting after and you know you don't get to these things very often and if you don't capitalize and make the best of them, you're going to just feel that regret. And uh, I still remember us having a team meeting uh, and, you know, from uh, going back out for the next game. And uh, and then Sault Ste. Marie was heavily favored that year. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had Buka Boom and King, and uh, they just had an all-star lineup uh, uh, on that team, particularly that year, uh, Probert uh, and, and others. And, you know, we played them twice and actually beat them fairly uh, handily both times. Uh, and I still remember Terry Crisp was their coach. Mm-hmm. So you think of two guys that go on to the NHL, Simpson and Crisp, and and, and just how his team maybe underestimated us. And, uh, yeah, from there, it's uh, we... And, and uh, that game against the Sioux, you had three goals. Yeah, yeah. One of the games I did have a trick, yep. And, uh, again, talk about a balanced lineup, right? So myself and Goddess, another Edmonton mm-hmm. Camrose kid, and, and Kenny Morrison, my now brother-in-law, uh, you know, so they they focused on Hodge's line, and then our line uh, had a fairly significant day that particular day. And that was a, that was the thing about a, a team is you could focus on one group and shut them down, but then there was depth and right. in, the, in the ranks right down to the fourth line. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was I still remember coming home that from that tournament and getting <laughs> into the old back in the day. It was the Communiplex, and not now it's the Art Hauser in, in PA, and picture four or five thousand people from a right. small community yeah. there, and it's just packed. It was yeah, it, you remember some of those things like they were yesterday. You mentioned two guys off that team from here. Uh, one of them, uh, Emmanuel Viveros, Dan Hodgson, one hundred eighty-two points the last year. If those two players in particularly um, played in today's game how much of an impact how big of stars would they be in today's game because it was a different game back in the 80s you know it's that's just it it's so fast now and you know having coached a lot of kids uh, since then and watching uh, it it's a different game the speed the size uh uh, I think the the pace. I mean, I have season tickets now for mm-hmm. the Oilers, and just to, to watch Connor, uh, you know, Connor goes laterally faster than a lot of <laughs> us. A lot of us went forward. So, uh, you know, I think it's a different game. I, I it's hard to compare just because of that. The you know the the, the speed, but I also think now with all the new techniques and the training and some of the folks put into it now back in the day you know you, you worked a summer job you worked out you got skating mm-hmm. as much as you can and I, I think everything's evolved so I'm not sure I'd want to compare I, I do really appreciate uh, the speed that the game has played the, uh, nowadays and just the size and you know back then it was more holding they took that out of the game yes. get your stick in hold somebody up so you mm-hmm. can take away some of those big hits so um, yeah, the game has changed, and uh, and rightfully so. I think it's I think it's better now, uh, just uh, with the speed thing. The old days, I mean, you got a little bit more of the the rough stuff, and you know, there's <laughs> those of us that didn't mind that, but uh, you know that that now has really tapered off, and uh, I think. Uh, 
pretty tough when people start to compare, like you take a Bobby Orr and you compare and right. you see coffee, the, see those two, and now you see some of the stars of today that uh, play at that high rate of speed, like McCarr and stuff. It, it's it's a different game. It sure is. Our text line is always open, one 1440 Several texts coming in for questions for uh, Edmonton Police Chief uh, Dale McPhee. Uh, one of them is about do you get the opportunity to – uh, reconnect with a lot of these guys. It's coming up 30 years. I'm sure you're going to have some sort of an anniversary and a get-together. But how how often or how much are you able to, to connect with these guys? You know, it, it depends. Uh, you know, I've seen Goddess a few times since I've been here. I've seen you know, Davey a few times, of course. Matt Sol's the assistant coach of, yeah. of the Oilers. Uh, Vive, I just saw at a, at a family function here uh, a few weeks back. And... Uh, you know, you, you get to see him, and it's like you you can just start the conversation, right? So it's uh, it's a special group. Uh, you see everybody know. I was talking to actually Pazine here about mm-hmm. a month ago. He was you know looking after his family, and we were we were talking from him. He's down in Silicon Valley down there, and there's people all over the globe right now. And uh, but when you do connect, you you catch up quick, and uh, that's the fun part when you when you remember those things and what some of the things you accomplished together. It's pretty easy to reconnect. You mentioned Dave Manson um, and Kenny Baumgartner. You also men- mentioned him. So those and Manson, I believe, was a 17 year old on that 85. Team. He was, yeah. So uh, Kenny Baumgartner is a little bit older, but those guys were tough as nails. And how did that help that team? Well, I mean. They feared nobody. Uh, it gave us another presence. And then you had Gertzee there. It was another tough. Like our D were big. Yeah. They were strong. They could play whatever way you wanted to. And, uh, you know, it was just a balanced team. And back in those days, you needed that more maybe than you do now. Uh, and it just gave us that uh, position of confidence to, to go out. And to, uh, nobody was afraid of anybody back then, right? Because you knew you had backup coming if you needed mm-hmm. yeah, it. So you did for sure. Um, and then, so again, when we talked off the top, uh, in uh, 93 you were well even before that you were coaching the midgets in prince albert and then uh, in 93 you were assistant coach under donnie clark uh, who uh, unfortunately passed away a few years yeah. ago um but uh what was that experience like for you as an assistant coach in the whl yeah you know it was it was good i mean i was always one of those folks that after hockey got into this as a coach, did a little bit of scouting, went on to be the president of the Raiders. And, you know, I had some good mentoring. Clarkie was just a, a really good human being, a really good guy, uh, you know, somebody that uh, the trust level was high with. We shared lots of good times and lots of good stories. And then coaching the midgets before that and, uh, um, you know, Donnie's with the big club before coming up and Dailing was the head scout and you know I had guys like Peterson and Toporowski who went mm-hmm. on to play the Raiders and actually play a play a role in the development of, of, of the young people and I think that goes on about sports and from there I actually had to switch gears and learn to teach my daughters how to play soccer and of course <laughs> had no idea what the heck I was doing but right. then all of a sudden they got good and they all went on to play university soccer and it was watching all these number of young ladies that went on to play a CIS sport or get into the national program. And I mean, it's really about building people, right? And if you think about that, some will go on to play in the NHL, some go on to be community leaders, some go on to do some really good things and and have families and it just passes the generations on. So uh, what I took away from that is 
being involved with good people and taking nuggets from good leaders right. and then trying to make what you're going to take to, to be your own person and how you're going to lead, I think uh, resonates in policing today is, uh, you know, everybody sees those people that they have respect and appreciation for, but then you focus on the good habits that make people successful and then you actually choose the direction you want to be. And I think that's the unique thing about leadership that we sometimes uh, undersell mm-hmm. a bit. It's a learned skill, and uh, and we sometimes I've been fortunate to speak on it, uh, even in the or the Saskatchewan Police College and the Canadian Police College. Leadership is a learned skill that requires effort, but it also requires obviously observing and trying to spend time with people that you can take some nuggets from. And that's what I remember from those days because all of them were accomplished and all of them were good. Why do you think there's such a connection between leadership in sport and, you know, whether it be in life, it could be business, or it could be leading a police service? Well, I mean, if you think about it and just take policing, you face something different every day, Mm -hmm. and you need to be able to react and you need to make good decisions. And if you've got some of those basic leadership skills and some of that common sense to help you make that and build in your toolbox, you're going to be more successful if you just go in. That's why you train hard, right? Uh, if you take it in in, in uh, sports, it's all about how you... Everybody can lead in good times, but how do you lead when the adversity hits? And how do you come through that? I mean, we just went through two or three years of the strongest adversity probably policing's ever seen. But I fortunate to have seen that in sports hockey every job that I think I've been in in last years there's always going to be adversity Um, and I think the way you perform in those times says a lot about how you've been mentored or how you've been coached or how you've been actually uh, the effort that you put in one last one for you Um, as uh, Chief Dale McPhee joins us on the Kevin Carey show sports 1440 and it's kind of how we started the interview about our city where it is um, where it can go, um, and what part you can play in helping that. So, kind of the mic's yours. Where do you want to see where we're going here? Yeah, I mean, we've got to get. I mean, there, there's a few things happening here. There's a, some unacceptable levels of violence which we're working on now with the province. I mean, some of that's attributed to gangs and obviously drugs. Uh, we need the justice system to actually hold these people mm-hmm. accountable. I mean, rehabilitation sometimes for some people is going to be in custody and some is going to be outside. We've done a good job of reducing the number of things going to the justice system, but the accountability and seeing some of the things and some of the violence that's occurred where people get out the next day, you know, you're seeing people with triple firearms prohibitions. I'm not sure why they thought the third one would work when the first two didn't. Those are things that we have to focus on. On that side, we got to get to some form of what we're calling empathetic uh, uh, enforcement on uh, open air drug uses. Mm-hmm. Th- that can't be on anymore. I mean, you're seeing drugs on the streets that we've never seen, like xylazine makes your skin fall off. You're seeing, you know, uh, car fentanyl. I mean, that's used for elephants. And I mean, this fentanyl stuff. And rather than focusing on the commodity, focus on the people. You know, there's some that are struggling that need to get out of the system. And then there's some that are preying on them. And that's where the gangs and they infiltrate in these encampments. And we need to get some accountability back into the system. And that's going to be our focus here. You're going to see some uh, major changes coming from us in the next couple, two, three weeks uh, as we go to get some stability back. 
it, it's not okay when people's families, their people's businesses, people's livelihoods are being impacted every day and there's no accountability to it. Everybody knows people struggle and we have to have peop- uh, ways to get people out of the system and use the health system. But at the same time, the random violence cannot be acceptable, should not be acceptable. And that's what we're going to obviously start to focus on. Well, Dale, I appreciate uh, how candid you are and how passionate you are about our city. And, uh, and we were all behind you to, to get things to where we want it to be for sure. Well, I appreciate yeah. Kevin. I always go yeah. back years ago. It's good to see you back in the radio business, buddy. Yeah. You're kind of like me. We've always said we have the face for radio. Face for radio. Uh, yeah. well, I, I lied. One more last one. Who gave you the nickname Mucker? Uh, you know what? That was Bobby Lowe's. Bobby remember Bobby Lowe's? Yes. Yeah. Slobby. It had, something to, yeah. Yeah, yes. had something to do with the corners. I'm not sure what it was. But uh, <laughs> no, it was uh, it was always in its stuck. And uh yeah. Anyways, really wish you well. It's Thank great to see. Much. Obviously, for us sports fans out yeah. there, wishing you nothing but success, and we'll be watching you and hopefully come back and talk to you again. Well, we appreciate you coming in. Thanks, uh, Chief of Police Dale McPhee. Appreciate it. All right. Well, I mean, that was some great uh, insight to our city, but even some great insight back to the, the 80s, which is, I guess, my time and uh, goes back a long way and being a Saskatchewan guy it was uh, really enlightening to hear all those comments from Dale so uh, we're going to have a ton more we'll have some uh, uh, text to get to uh, Brandon Davidson the du- oh, Brandon Davidson Brandon Douglas the Duke of Delmore we're going to get a little chit chat going with him and uh, his I guess uh, venture into this business so uh, this is the Kevin Carey show on Sports 1440 alright welcome back to Sports 1440 in the palatial studios of uh, the Stingray radio station conglomerate here in West Edmonton Mall. Kevin Carries along with the Duke of Delborn, Brandon, not Davidson, Brandon Douglas. I guess he, Gregor called him that too the other day and it's just, I don't know what it is. It's, but now he will be known as the Duke, the Duke. So uh, let's hear a little bit about growing up, Brandon. Why did you want to get in to broadcasting? Why did you want to get into something like this? The Duke, the floor is yours. Uh, yeah, Kevin, the, 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 the road to lead me to this opportunity here with you and, and the entire station has been a, a unique one for sure. Starting off, um, like, like I mentioned earlier, growing up on the family farm and everything, uh, I loved it. Uh, agriculture always has been and, and still is a passion of mine. But, you know, you go away to, to university where I went to the U of A for a couple of years and get a, a little bit experience life outside that, that small town bubble and meet some new people and, and see some new things. And then uh, after going back to the farm, after working in the city for a couple of years, you kind of get to a point where, I mean, working with family is really hard. It's, it's, mm-hmm. It is. And a family operation makes it difficult. And it just got to a point where I wasn't sure my best talents were being put to use at the farm there. And I'd kind of served my purpose of helping yeah. smooth over some transition stuff from my sister taking over the dairy from my dad and grandpa and stuff. So I'd, I'd aided in that endeavor. And then my one true passion that's always kind of never wavered has, has been sports. So I took the opportunity to go back to school to Nate. Uh, shout out the Nate uh, RATV program. Plenty of grads here in the building uh, across all the stations at Stingray. And I actually just did, when you were talking to the chief, got a message from instructor David Sawchuk. Oh, really? Uh, so he, he reached out and said, wanted to make sure, give uh, give Nate a little bit of love. I, I really enjoyed my couple years there. 
and then did my my practicum with the Nation Network, who was one of our partners with right getting on, everything yeah. off the ground here. And and here I am. Uh, Jason mentioned it right off the top, kind of given a, an opportunity to somebody that's I'm really not that young uh, as as much <laughs> as anybody that sees my hairline will know that very well. But um, kind of new in the industry, I'm I'm just beyond pumped to to be on the show with you, and then also uh, co-hosting right. the fantasy show with Connor here. So let's talk a little bit about this fantasy fantasy show. It'll come on at 11 every day, you and Connor Halley. So kind of, uh, you know, right now at this time of the year, it's going to be heavy football, heavy NFL, and a little bit of CFL, but that's just the way it is. I mean, fantasy sports, uh, especially in the NFL, is an absolute beast. How did you guys kind of come up with this idea, and, and what do you see with it moving forward? Well, I think you hit on that really well is the fact that like this has grown so much in even just the past 10 years or so. And it's pretty tough to find any uh, sports fan that doesn't play fantasy in some variety of football, obviously being a big one across North America. Um, even CFL fantasy, as I think really taking a big leap mm-hmm. in the past couple of years, a little more limited, of course, and more of a niche market, but um, popular all the same. And and hockey in Canada, we, we live and breathe by it. And, and fantasy hockey is something that both Connor and I uh, dabble in, but fantasy football was certainly the driving force and like you said the for the first couple of weeks here it's going to be very very football centric as we lead into hockey season but that doesn't mean we won't be having tons of um of hockey fantasy guests on and insiders which uh, which is something we're really looking forward to getting to hear people from specific markets and, and getting some more insight on teams and players we had our uh doopies nfl draft uh sunday at cole creek uh thanks to everybody at cole creek uh Jason Rasmussen and uh, one of the guys in our draft lives out there. So Neil Stewart, they did a heck of a job lining it all up. We've had this Doopies League for for a number of years, and Jason Greger had the first overall pick. He's been in this draft, uh, oh, I'd probably almost push in 18, 19 years. He's never won it. He has never won it. He's came close one year, but it wasn't really close. Uh, but we wish him the very best. So he had a bunch of draft picks this year. So if he doesn't win it this year, this will be the end of the line for Gregor in, in NFL drafts because he's actually just abysmal at it. There's no doubt about that. Uh, he had the first pick overall, and we were talking about it yesterday when we came into the studio. We had, uh, we've got a two-keeper league. So basically he could not take Jefferson or Chase, so that left pretty well everyone open. So he took Austin Eckler. Uh, he didn't take Christian McCaffrey, could have taken Tyreek Hill, but he took Austin Eckler. So what do you think about Gregor's first overall selection? It, it's a bold one, and we all know that Gregor's not afraid to, to be bold and go a little <laughs> bit off the beaten path. Um, and I know I know Connor Halley will very much like that pick as, as a yes. resident Chargers fan and expert here in the building and on the, on the station. Connor will, will be full aboard with that. Eckler, obviously a ton of volume, ton of targets. Uh, Justin Herbert relies on him very heavily to keep the run game going, so their pass attack will be good. Chargers with a new OC in there this year. Uh, we'll see if that might shake things up a little bit for how Eckler's deployed and if they use him as frequently in the pass game uh, as checkdowns and stuff as they maybe have in the past. But very bold of Gregor, nonetheless. Uh, in, t- in a situation like that, I'm I'm always opted to go for uh, a wide receiver instead of a running really? back. So but- you would have went Tyreek Hill? Probably. Hmm. I think uh, running backs, that they never stay healthy. No. They never do. I had the fifth overall pick, B. John Robinson, I went with. So I believe it went Eckler, CMC, Hill, uh, then Saquon Barkley. So uh, our text line open, and it's I can't believe how full this box gets. So one 401 1440 
Uh, you can email me, Kevin at sports1440.ca. Uh, texter sends in, hi guys, just want to say congratulations. Uh, it's great to have sports talk radio back. Uh, what happened to the Elks yesterday? Uh, they played w- very well up until the end, and that comes from Atif. Uh, and he just wanted to also ask about uh, PTOs regarding uh, Brandon Sutter, Sam Gagne. Who else uh, will the Oilers offer PTO to? Uh, will Sam Gagne make the Oilers for the third time in his career? Well, I don't think they. I don't think they're going to be offering any more PTOs. I just don't see that happening. And just at this stage, but I mean, Brandon Sutter is a bigger body. Sam Gagne, we talked about him an awful lot. You're not going to meet a, meet a nicer guy and a nicer guy that fits in in the locker room, um, in the city, in the community. Uh, he knows what his role is at this stage of his career. And he can play anything you want. He can do whatever you want. He will do whatever you want. So, um, Duke, do you see? Where, I mean, a lot of people are kind of fifty-fifty on this. When I when you talk to them, is it? Do you think it's more of a Sutter better fit, or is a Gagne better fit if they are going to get one of these guys on a PTO? Uh, yeah, I, I've long been a fan of, of Brandon Sutter. He played his junior hockey in Red Deer where I had the chance to see a lot of games and, and the Sutter's family's ties there go very deep. When I when I look at the roster or the Oilers roster composition, it's just going to like they're competing for spare spare time. Right. And the I don't know if the Oilers would be wise to allocate it to them as opposed to maybe giving some younger players from in the system more opportunity, they'll obviously come on very affordable deals and and maybe even the case of a two-way contract for for a guy like Sutter who's been out of the league for a full year plus now. Um, I I would love to see them land. I think they're, like you said, top-shelf character guys. I saw Sam Gagne over 1,000 games played now, but I'm just not sure there's room for them on the roster, especially not in an everyday role. And uh, another text coming in, just what happened with the Elks uh, in their game in Calgary? Well, again, we, we talked about this off the top with uh, Coach Chris Jones. And, I mean, this is a situation where the team is, he said, we've got one of the youngest teams. We're working hard. I get it. I get it that um, they started 0-9. I get the fact that people lose their patience with uh, success. But the team is at a position right now where they're going to have to look at some guys and see if they are the fit that they want and need down the road. Uh, we saw Trey Ford, you know, basically 130 yards both on the ground and passing. He has the ability to transcend this team. Trey Ford's probably number one aspect that he has to look at right now is reading defenses. Um, you see so many times, even on that one run that he had in the third quarter, it was 33 yards. Basically ran almost 100 yards to get those 33 yards. <sighs> Not saying that the offensive line and and guys don't like that. They are all for it. Anytime you can turn about a 15, 20-yard loss into that, they are going to be in support. But what happens is that the offensive line uh, receivers, when a play is called, they're on a a certain blocking scheme. They are trained to do this. Their mindset is to do this, and then, then it's a jailbreak. So I think... Maybe for success with Trey Ford going forward, maybe a less jailbreaks, a little more play calling that kind of sticks to what the call is where the offensive line and the receivers have the ability to get on the same page. So uh, that's just my opinion on, on where they are moving forward. But, I mean, you can't knock his talent. You heard Chris Jones talk about it yesterday with uh, on the broadcast, the fact that, you know, he's got some Doug Flutie in him. 
They're both about the same size. I think Flutie was probably a little more put together as far as a stronger upper body goes when he was at the his stage of his career in the CFL, but he was a little bit older. I mean, Trey Ford's still a young guy. He's going to be filling out for sure. Um, the Duke, when you watched that game yesterday, and we talked about it a little bit earlier, um, do you see... Do you see like that that hope that if they can get rid of these poor ten minute segments, poor two minute segments, poor um, brain freezes, uh, you know, like we had in the Saskatchewan game with the one point in the end zone? Do you see? Can you feel that maybe this team is turning a little bit? Well, I don't see how you can't see it when you compare it to the first nine games of the season and, and even those games had their bright spots but they were much more few and far between right it, and you I think Chris Jones touched on it really well this is an incredibly young football team and more experience more reps um, whether it be with the um, the Canadian rules some so many of them coming up from the United States but but just experience and maturation in the league things like this are going to happen where you have little melt meltdowns and, and you blow leads and this season has been so disappointing on so many levels, rallying off a couple wins and losing um, a really close, really exciting game like that to some rivals. I think everybody's going to be amped up for the rematch here this weekend. And that rematch goes Saturday. Uh, had a texture uh, send a message that he really enjoyed the Friday game as well. The fact that, you know, yes, there's one less day for players to prepare and recover. Having said that, would you rather play in front of, 55,000 people um, or would you rather play in front of 30,000 people or 25? I guess where the situation the Elks are in right now, you'd like to get past the 20,000 mark just on a regular basis. But 25,000 and 30,000, that's what the, the, the norm is was before. And the norm for this Labor Day rematch in years past, it was packed. We mentioned again earlier, Rick Lalashir is saying in an interview that was on the 2003 broadcast, and we're going to be discussing that Ed Hervey um, helmet kind of toss and the one game suspension that he received in Calgary and how it kind of uh, helped the team kind of mold together, gel together for the rematch. And uh, Hervey will be uh, guesting with us, I think, uh, later in the week, so we'll get his his take on that. So, uh, Texter says, uh, where did Montgomery go in the Dupies draft? Oh, I think we kind of know where this is coming from. And uh, also, uh, just to touch on uh, Chief of Police uh, Dale McPhee when he was here, we have a mutual friend in the force, Grant Jongajin, who's on the bomb squad. He is in the Dupies draft. He was the guy that took David Montgomery in the second round. So uh, that did not go over too well at the draft in Cole Creek. Yes, yeah, second round. It was one of three or four mistakes by the big man that – probably not going to work out well for him so um, how many drafts are you in Duke how many do you go in and talk about the one that we've got set up through uh, fantasy frenzy so how can our listeners get involved in that uh, so to to touch on the uh, survivor pool that you just alluded to, so there's a link on our Fantasy Frenzy Twitter page uh, at Fantasy Frenzy AM on Twitter. You can go track that down. There's a link, super easy to sign up. Doesn't cost you nothing. Connor and I are working on securing maybe a little prize package for the last person standing at the end of the year. If you're not familiar, basically each week of the NFL season, you pick one team. Uh, to win a game, just straight up win. 
and then once you pick a team, you cannot pick them again. Mm. And you do that every week until you get one wrong. At that point, you are eliminated. And as the name implies, Survivor, uh, last man standing will, will be our champion. I've been um, doing some reading on just like general trends uh, across leagues or, or pools like this across markets. Mm-hmm. And it seems like Washington, the commanders, are a very uh, heavily favored team to be picked in week one here because they are playing the Cardinals who... Uh, by all measures, look like they are going to be the the basement dweller of the NFL this season um, in what is even yeah. a pretty uh, a mid-so-so division out in the AFC West, a pretty substantial drop-off after the Giants. So there's a big strategy to this. Everyone kind of goes, well, you might look at the spread and you'll go, okay, well, that, is that game in Washington or Arizona? I can't remember. Good question. Yeah, I so believe we'll it's, it might be an Arizona home okay. game. So whatever. Let's just say the it's going to be... 12 and a half or whatever it is. I didn't even look. But So when you look at that, you kind of go, okay, I'm going to take obviously a heavy favorite because I don't want to get punted out of this in the very first week. So having said that, where is it in? Uh, it is in Washington. It's at, in Washington. At, at over, and yeah. it's probably going to be over 14 points probably. Who knows? Um, so, yeah, that's the easy pick. It is. It seems like it because you can get a very um, bad probably bad team the commanders you get a win on them you don't have to pick them mm-hmm. again now and you can then lean on some of these more heavily favored teams or, or teams that you actually expect to be good on a week-to-week basis whether it be your your bills your Bengals, your chiefs etc so like i said it's from everything uh, what it's looking like I, I still haven't made my pick yet i'm going to leave it down to the wire before mm-hmm. i get that in um but if if all of a sudden there's an upset here you you can see half the pool eliminated in week one maybe right that's the key, uh, and that's you know that's what happens if you decide to go that route. But um, our uh, text line, and we've got a lot of them. If you feel that you want to be part of the show, it is at one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. You can email me at kevin at sports fourteen forty Phone lines open to seven eight zero four five one eight zero nine six. Uh, again, I'm still getting used to all the bells and whistles in this studio. I think uh, the Duke is as well. I preach your patience uh, we're glad to be back uh, we've got so many welcoming texts and emails welcome to the airwaves this one just came in uh, one minute ago uh, welcome to the airwaves so excited for sports to be back on uh, the air as i work uh, even better to have a farm boy on the roster leave it to gregor to find a far- farm boy uh, uh, where do you think noah gregor will end up this season to me he seemed like a good fit for the orders on a low risk high reward opportunity rusty shackleford not the real name but the king of the hill reference from dale gribby geez you know well that's going to be a question maybe we could leave for gregor at two o'clock because he probably has a little more insight um yeah noah gregor can skate like the wind for some reason he fell out of um favor at times in san jose was a healthy scratch for certain amounts of time didn't really get a big message or a big reason why it seemed every time he came to Edmonton, he had a good game. I don't know what that was. Obviously, he's playing in front of friends and family. Grew up watching the Oilers. Um, we wish him nothing but the best. And he's always been great uh, supporter of uh, charities and being. You know, we saw him at uh, a couple of tournaments golfing as well uh, this year. The last one I think I saw him at was uh, Mark Spector's uh, tournament for uh, Sports Central. Uh, and we had Spec talking about that earlier, and that's uh, a nice little segue into uh, our little uh, little uh, uh, foray into uh, Sports Central, and that's uh, the, the fact that we're partnering up with uh, Sports Central for a bike drive uh, this month. So 
Sports Central has been giving out bikes and all sports equipment to, to kids from ages 4 to 17 for well over 30 years. So uh, the bike shop is always busy and you get volunteers in here. You get guys going in there and just donating their time and their expertise to get these bikes going to give to the kids. So uh, they're, they're often the first bikes that kids get because they just don't have the ability or the financing for their parents to get them. So our goal here at Sports 1440 and Sports Central is to collect about 1,000 new gently used bikes, and we're going to be doing this all month. So we want all sizes. You can figure out what you have in the garage. Uh, however, the biggest request is for 20-inch or 24-inch wheel bikes because that's for the kids that are aged between 6 and 12, and those are the kids that probably need it the most. So uh, the bikes, they don't have to be fully functional. That's because the staff, the technical staff at Sports Central, uh, they repair the bikes, they collect them, and then about 20, 25 volunteers, they go into the shop, they repair all the bikes, they restore them, they get them to so they're ready to go on the road and by the time spring rolls around. So uh, that's a key part of the, the, the season for them because they do this all winter. So you're cleaning out the garage before the winter, you can make uh, some room, uh, take one of the bikes. We've got four locations across Edmonton. So Sports Central is accepting all the bikes with 1440 uh, September 9th. It's on the Saturdays, September 9th coming up here, the 16th, 23rd, and 30th. So you can drop off those bikes at United Sports and Cycle on Gateway Boulevard. Kelly Hodgson, great guy to deal with. Uh, he'll be outstanding. Revolution Cycle, Bonnie Dune Shopping Center on 82nd Ave. Uh, Revolution Cycle, by the way, is on Stony Plain Road. And then the London Dairy Mall on 137th Ave. So, and, and if you don't feel that you have a bike to donate, you can also uh, do a monetary donation. So just uh, check out our website, 1440.ca, and uh, you can just surf around and see the Sports Central bike drive. So we appreciate that. And, and again, we're going to be heavily heavily duty uh, involved in the community. You know, we just had the the, uh, the uh, Nation Tournament, Oilers Nation Tournament, uh, last week on Friday. It was at Mill Woods. Jason Greger came on and did uh, the Greger's grads, donated about $18,000 for Greger's grads. We know how much Jason's donated over the course of his uh, career uh, in broadcasting with the uh, month of giving in December. You know, that's coming back. I've been heavily involved with Easter Seals. We've donated close to $2 million with the uh, Kevin Carey's Easter Seals Celebrity Golf Tournament presented by Prism Flow. We've done that for years at the Belvedere Golf and Country Club. So we, as a station, will be heavily duty involved in the charities around town, giving our time and our money and our efforts efforts to, to make this uh, a better place. So, uh, Brandon, do uh, you got anything to add here? We've got a couple of minutes before we get to a sports update. No, nothing to add. No, you got to have something to, to, add. to echo. What about what you- that guy talking about you being a farm boy? Um, well, you mentioned the bikes yeah. and how you said how much it can change a kid's life having mm-hmm. a, a bicycle growing up out on the farm. I never did. Yeah. Uh, I bought one at a grad auction in Delburn one spring and then on a ra- race it over to the grain bins to help dad move an <laughs> auger uh, out. That was the only one I had when I was 12 years old. And when I leaned where I leaned it up against was not an ideal choice right against the tire of the grain truck. And, uh, dad gets in the other side, backs it up right over top of it, had the bike Done. for all, all of about, Three days, Gonzo. I think, and then I was like, you know what? I'll just settle for the the ATVs and and, and my feet to get around the yard and whatnot. So, but bikes are uh, great for kids, especially here in the city. It's uh, you can open up your world when you don't have to rely on somebody to truck you around or, or getting on a bus or something like that just to go over to a friend's house. Oh, awesome! Great, uh, great initiative for sure. Text keep rolling in. I turned on my. Uh 
1260 to Elevator Music one morning in June was devastated. Thanks for doing this. I'm glad we have Sports Radio back. Missed you all. Congratulations uh, to all. Edmonton needs this. Um, hey, guys, great to have Sports Talk back in Edmonton. Um, again, sometimes we might have a little static at certain times. You, you can go to the app uh, store, download iHeartRadio, Stingray, or the Radio Player app. Uh, the, the signal should be crystal clear, and we really appreciate you listening to Sports 1440. Uh, again, first day for us. We're working things out as well as we can, and I think we've done a pretty good job so far. For me, personally, I mean, last I, uh, my last job, I was doing four minutes a day. Now I'm doing four hours. I've been looking where the teleprompter is half the time for around here. So uh, please be patient with us. We're going to bring you the best product we possibly can. And uh, we're looking forward to being, you know, your source for Edmonton sports, all sports radio stations. So time now for a, a sports update. Uh, 